0: Folks, welcome to another episode of Draft sickos I am Maxwell Baumbach, and this is the show where we talk about everybody from the biggest stars to the deepest of sleepers in the NBA draft. And at this time, I am joined, as always, by the real star of the show, Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, how are you doing?
1: Uh, well, I'm feeling a lot better. You keep calling me the star of the show. I feel like I got to like <laughs> do something crazy when you bring me on. But um, I am doing well, man. Uh, I had a I've had a pretty low key le- uh weekend. Uh, Today is uh, my wife's birthday. so Happy birthday uh, to her. Thank you very much. She is 32 and we've been kind of taking it as easy as we can today. Um, Had a real fun weekend, man. Uh, How about you?
0: Uh, Yeah, this weekend was a good time. I I went maybe the weirdest place I've ever been in my life yesterday. Uh, So we had a friend's wedding. And uh, like, you know, the thing where it's like, all right, the wedding's over and like the wedding party has to go do pictures. So like you've got to kill an hour or whatever before there's like, you know, drinks and the reception and whatever. So on the way to where like the actual wedding ceremony was, I turned on like a street like one light too early. And my wife and I drove by this place that we were like we've we've got to go here this is the weirdest thing i've ever seen it is the sock monkey museum okay a museum of sock monkeys and how terrifying is this place uh pretty terrifying pretty terrifying (laughs) so there's some that are like small and like newer and you can tell they're recently made sock monkeys it's like all right that's like a, a cute little thing for a kid the older sock monkeys that were in the sock monkey museum all look like they are inhabited by the spirit of just an otherworldly being and, and can <laughs> come to life at any moment. It was horrifying. It was very, very odd and weird, but uh it helped us kill time and then we went and drank some wine before the the reception. So I ended up working out, but yeah, for the first time in my life, I uh I was in I what I what has to be the world's only sock monkey museum i don't think when you're city planning you're like well where are we going to put the sock monkey museum uh but yeah we one of the weirdest places i've ever been in my life highly recommended. <laughs>
1: yeah i mean i've i've i i'm sure that there's museums for essentially everything so i shouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. that there is one for sock monkeys but yeah, I've never even heard, I've never heard of this. This is, this is pretty bizarre, man.
0: We were shocked how many people were, like, coming in and out of there. Like, it's not big. It's it's basically just, yeah. like, a, a shop, and then there's, like, I think a second story or two we didn't go to, and, then, like, a little, like, side room that had, had some sock monkey stuff in it. But, like, we went in there. There were, there were people in there. Like, every, every 10, 15 <laughs> seconds seemed like somebody new was coming in. It was in a pretty high foot traffic area. Like, there's a lot of, like, other shops and, like, restaurants and stuff in the area. I think in that space, they're able to coast by being just like such a, an oddity that people are like, I got to go in there and see what's going on.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of a beloved, you know, you know, toy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been around for a long, long time, but it's yeah. kind of like. It feels like it's probably phased out now, right? I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, none yeah, of, you I don't see those kids anymore. and none yeah. of my kids have sock monkeys. So.
0: Well, my daughter has one now. So so <laughs> dude, this go. is how they get you. This is this is insane. OK, yeah. so let's say they have like the small sock monkeys or whatever. And they have like bigger ones that I would say are like slightly larger than your average stuffed animal. What do you think that would cost?
1: Uh Larger than your average. I would probably like, so say like not, 30. Like, huge, but big. 35
0: dollars yeah yep they were like 40 45 dollars like 35 okay, yeah so but then like the small ones they charge like 10 so i think a lot of people are like 45 dollars like that's insane <laughs> and then they see a small and they're like, oh yeah 10 yeah, dollars. yeah yeah, i'll buy that i think Perfectly that's how they reasonable. get people yeah, yeah 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 great great uh pricing scheme they've got going on there but that's not what you guys came here for you came here <laughs> for nba draft talk and it's the international prospect preview this week so we're doing this series. We're covering all the big names uh, before the college season starts, but a lot of these guys are already in action. And yeah. man, this has been a very exciting uh, international class so far. And these guys are largely exceeding expectations, I would say. Which is again why I kind of I said a couple weeks ago, you don't want to you don't want to poo poo these draft classes too early. You don't want do to ever high. do it. You Never don't want to do, do that. It. Uh, so. Let's get into it. And let's start with a guy who is highest on draft boards, a a guy who potentially could be the number one pick come June, uh, Alexander Sarr, seven foot one, 205 pounds, uh, playing in Perth this year, Steven, I'm going to let you take the lead. What have you seen from Alex Sarr that, that has him in this esteem where we're talking about somebody who could be the number one pick?
1: Well, I'm going to do things differently than how we have been. I'm going to kind of reference a piece that of mine that's going to be dropping on NoCealingsNBA.com. It's 100% free. You should check it out. And, it'll, and we'll already be live on No Ceilings. Uh, we will have already launched by the time everybody is listening this on podcast form. If you're watching live. First off, thanks for doing so. Um, we're going to be dropping um, No Ceilings. is going to be launching Monday uh, full time. So look forward to that. But my piece, which will be on Tuesday... I'm going to be covering like the most successful and most sought-after player types that we've seen in the past five NBA drafts. And one of these player types, Maxwell, is what I'm calling malleable bigs, right? Mm -hmm. And some of these malleable bigs have different offensive skill sets, right? Like uh, Evan Mobley and Nick Claxton don't have the same type of offensive bag. But all these malleable bigs do have is an insane defensive IQ and cover such uh you know an enormous amount of ground on the defensive side of the ball and that is kind of what we're seeing with Alex R. and maxwell you're talking about how he's probably going to be like one of the guys in contention for number one pick these malleable bigs are highly sought after man like they do not uh, fall f- far down boards at all and Alex mm-hmm. R. is kind of showing these on both sides of the ball right like first off he's over seven feet tall listed um and moves so well. He moves like these uh, NBA bigs, right? Like an Anthony Davis type, you know, runs very fluid. Uh, looks like he's very well coordinated. Also pretty strong and durable for his size. One of the things that stands out to me is how, you know, Corey kind of mentioned it in our group chat the other day, is how the offensive game is slowing down to him. <laughs> and and that's that has stood out to me too. But his offensive bag is pretty hard. It it's already at an NBA level, right? Like yeah. he's probably going to succeed in trailing uh, on the break a lot as well. I can see him getting easy points where, you know, the, the break has started. He's kind of following it up. The ball handler kind of circles back out and sees uh, an open Alex from beyond the arc for three. I see him easily getting points in that, in that nature, um, handoffs, DHOs, things like that. He's going to be pretty dynamic, but what really stands out to me, Maxwell is, his defensive side of the ball, man, like he is um, he's more tough than I think that people are initially giving him credit for uh, when they're trying to take him off of lines and things like that. Now, he's had a couple matchups in the NBA. And I'm sure we're going to talk about those here in a second to where he's been uh, cooked on a couple of possessions. I think, is a is an apropos way to put that. But by and large, man, when we're looking at the, the prospects this year's draft class, I'm having a hard time coming up with, you know, three or four guys that I think are going to give him a run for the money for the number one pick in this year's class.
0: Yeah. I think something I've kind of learned in my time in the evaluation space, is just like with younger players, like you've almost got to buy flashes to a degree when you're looking at like pre, I I mean, college and in this case, pro tape and you know, not to like toot my own horn, but like I I said on the the live stream before the Perth game, like I had Sar top five coming into the year, like to toot, yeah. toot because like this guy is like doing the stuff I thought he was gonna do. Like he's very very good in terms of like just instincts on, on both sides of the ball. Defensively, he kind of knows where to be, can get there in in short order. Like you said, that ground coverage. I don't know if you've ever seen the Stephen King. I think it was like, a. I don't even know if it was like a, a movie theater, at least the Langoliers, where like There's like these like creatures nope. that just like <laughs> fly around eating stuff up. And like, that's what Alex R is like on the defensive end. Like he's all over the place. He's, he's gobbling up everything. Um, but just yeah, like good good rim rotations, very mobile. Like there were a couple of plays in that ignite game. We were Holland, tried him on an island, and it just didn't work. Like Holland couldn't get anywhere against him. So when he switched down on a smaller players, that's an area where he's he's going to do a really great job. Um, but I I really bought him offensively. I thought that in OTE when there were settings where he was operating out of handoffs, um, zooms, short roll situations, things like that. I thought he looked pretty good for a player his age. Um, and that that's really started to just kind of click more consistently. Um, Can I just real
1: quick on the OTE tape while you're talking yeah. about it, something that I wanted to mention. If you go back and look, and I know that everyone has their, you know, their feelings about OTE and especially last year. And how heavily focused they were on the Thompson Twins and things like that. If people were so heavily focused on the Thompson Twins uh, in Ot, they might remember this game, which was in early January. and it was the it was the only loss of the season for the City Reapers, which featured mm-hmm. both Thompson Twins. Alex Sar predominantly covered the Sar Thompson. And if everybody's watching preseason, Sar Thompson's looking like a really good player. Alex Sarr gave him fits, and that is something that I think probably went a little bit too under the radar when evaluating him and and projecting him as a defensive player. But it's an interesting kind of callback to to what his OTE film was like because I don't think people are are necessarily missing watching that um, across the scouting community. But if you go back and look at that, that's like an interesting precursor for the type of defender that he could be in terms of switching Maxwell
0: yes yeah i, I think that's a, a great point to make just because i think too we almost get to sensitize to how skilled the players are and like yes. I, and, and i think also like it's very easy to just pick oh yeah i think this guy can like switch a little bit and like what you just said is like this is a guy who is guarding a thompson twin it's a big it's a big yeah. like that's wild that's that's not something that you can see i mean I, you would probably count on hand the number of guys seven foot tall and above that could that at that age could handle a defensive responsibility like that over the course of a game. Um, I, I think with like the passing and things like that, the two things that I've seen this year that have really changed are um, the actually three. I think, I think his sense of floor mapping is a lot better. I think he kind of knows where yes. everybody is a little bit more. So he's making uh, fewer mistakes. He's screaming better. So he's getting a little bit more of an advantage for his man which then in turn frees him up if the big gets over antsy or doesn't play their coverage properly or, or gets too aggressive or gets off balance by virtue of what the ball handler is doing. It's just creating a better advantage for his team. Um, and then the last thing that he's doing is that he, like we said with uh, Almanza a week ago, taking and keeping the handoff three. With Saar, yeah. it's, it's even more consistent. He's doing it very frequently. Um, another Pretty guy with. Yes, yeah. And the flashes of the jump shot were there. I thought it looked good. Um so far we are now six games in. Uh it's taking two and a half and a game, a, a, a game at 40%. So it's it's looking really good. And I think again, like because so many NBL guys are hitting this year, like yeah. we kind of forget the NBL guys like from Uh, just a a slash line perspective generally stink in that league because it's a really good league. So usually Mm -hmm. when you got guys that are 18, 19 over there, they're not producing efficiently for in terms of their scoring output. Alex R is, Uh, he's at 50, 40 and uh, kind of weird at the free throw line, 50, 40, 52 so far uh, through the season. But I, I do think the jump shot looks good on the interior. That kind of touch is still there. He's not really able to kill mismatches yet um mm-hmm. the other thing with him is I, I do like his handle for his size i yeah, me do too. i do worry about his footwork though um i think he gets a little overeager he gets a, what i call like the max lewis happy feet travels yeah where he catches the ball and just like goes a little bit before he uh he's ready to put it on the ground and gets a lot or of what's that
1: that feet. twitter video of that gentleman that looks like he's uh some sort of try where he's doing like that that quick feet yes, thing? have you yeah. seen that start going around twitter yeah
0: yeah, it's the same same kind of thing. So he's gotta, you know, be a little bit more polished with his footwork, his setups and his control, and just know like, hey, maybe sometimes I catch it and I just throw a jab step first just to see what's there. Like it just a little bit of that kind of stuff, I think, would would go a long way for him. And then yeah, I mean the defense is tremendous. I, I think where I kind of get to my like and again, we're really picking this here. This kid's awesome. Sure. Not a lot of guys doing this kind of stuff at his age. I I don't see him falling out of the top five for me. But just to be completely probably not. I I think he's tremendous. Uh, So if we're going to pick knits, right. um, I think there are times where, and this is like a discouraging one because this just came up and I thought he'd been doing a really great job with it until the game against uh, Southeast Melbourne. Um, The motor isn't always hot on defense and they showed up a lot. in OTE, and I thought he was doing a really good job with it so far throughout the season. Maybe it's just an off game. Um, but there are times where it feels like there are shots that he could get off the ground to contest that he doesn't, and it's not like a situation where it's like, oh, well, you don't actually don't want to leave your feet there. It's cases where it's like, ah, I it was just kind of you and that guy at the rim, and you sort of stayed on your feet. Uh, the other one was he's kind of passive on the glass. So we're now six games in. He's averaging five and a half rebounds, which isn't bad, but it was six and it was six point six seven during the preseason. And it's 4.3 during the regular season. He's a little too stand and watch like a Mansa, um, mm-hmm. in that same respect. And I, I, I hate to do the, like, does he have that dog in it? Because I think it's like really corny. Um, yeah. But I did think it was kind of worrying. So there was a play in the Melbourne game where Tyler cook, who's a very physical guy, like super, yes. super physical, very productive in the G league because of that toughness size, physicality. Um, he puts Alex on a poster. The two of them kind of get face to face. They go back and forth. Not a scuffle, like nothing too extracurricular. Just a thing that happens. Some drawing. Right. Yeah. After that, Sar was incredibly mistake prone. Like it just seemed like it got in his head or maybe he was playing too angry. Whatever it was, it it seemed like he could not get back on the horse after that situation. Um, So I want to see him kind of respond a little bit better when he's mentally tested um and i do think there's a little bit of like is he a four is he a five i think if he's a four he's fine i think because he's shooting at a a higher clip uh volume wise um i'm not too worried about putting him at the four the same way i was with somebody like uh um like evan mobley was taking like 1.23s per game like literally half like, it's like, oh, 1.2 <laughs> versus 2.5. Those are both low numbers. But that's half the volume from three. I think he's a little bit more willing and eager to shoot than, than somebody like Evan Mobley. Um, and I think defensively, like you mentioned, like he's a little stronger than he looks. I, I do think he's held up on the block a little bit better than I've anticipated. So I do think that him playing the five is probably a little easier than it is for some of these, like, is he a four or five kind of guy? So that's that's kind of my last question. But yeah, I mean, those are not, like, Really super severe problems. So, what have what have you seen within that, that might trip you up a little bit or concern you? Or or is it yes. the same stuff?
1: So we got some people kind of writing in right now, um, watching us live on our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which again, thanks for watching. So Nick Streets are buzzing and Dirty Dancer, who I think has been mentioned on every draft podcast that I've ever listened to. So Dirty Dancer is <laughs> very well traveled guest. Um uh, yeah. Nick says uh two encore altercations, kind of I th- believe one of them is referring to the cook at altercation that you're saying competitive drive is there, and as long as he keeps hitting clutch threes, I'm in. So two really good points there. Yeah. And I do think that you know it's good that he's not afraid to kind of get in people's face, but I think that you do bring up a good point, Maxwell. is like, okay, now how you compartmentalize that or channel that appropriately. Um, and then the clutch threes thing, I think kind of plays into the is he a four or five question that you just posed i think that he could be like a a jaron jackson type right in the nba who Mm -hmm. is probably best served as a rover but probably not the guy that you want to like if you could play him someone who's primarily going to be used as like a rebounder screensetter a box out guy like he would thrive next to a guy like that Mm -hmm. Um, but but i know that we always want to look at these seven foot types as like Okay, at some point you're going to have to play the five because that's how you best make use of uh, an NBA offense. I don't know, man. Like, I think that he's probably going to follow suit of what we've been seeing with some of these other malleable bigs, where they start off as these uh, these fours because of the strength uh, concerns that might mm-hmm. exist against some of the bigger fives in the NBA. But I think that if the question, is, the question could almost be flipped, Maxwell. I was like. Are you too versatile you know what i mean like are you are you too good at a lot of different aspects where you can play multiple positions and in that regard you know probably more in line with an anthony davis type right where mm-hmm. he could do both and and do really well so i'm kind of with you man like he's probably not going to fall outside my top five because if the, your biggest concern is are you a four or a five but you're mm-hmm. good at a lot but of the things that yeah the four you're and not going to really do, get
0: killed yeah Yeah, uh, that's where I'm at. And just think about the kind of guys that we're comparing them to, like Jaron Jackson, uh, Evan Mobley, Anthony Davis. Like that is a type of player that's pretty hard to find. And like those guys are all really valuable. Like even if positionally, maybe it's it's a little bit difficult to accommodate them at times. Like there's not a team in the league that would pass on having one of those top five picks every time. Yep. Yeah. So a lot to like with SAR. So for this next guy, I'm gonna leave this one off because I, we're gonna have you leave the next one off because it's like one of your guys and a guy that man I'm I'm liking a lot too. Uh, but I'm gonna kind of be the Debbie Downer and then you give me the sell because this is a okay. guy that everyone I talk to is like I'm in and I'm still like eh, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Nicole yeah. topic um, listed. Everywhere from like six five six six to six seven, I think I mm-hmm. don't buy the six seven. I think the six seven is a dating app six seven, and he shows up when he's six five.
1: <laughs> I haven't um, seen the six seven, so in my head, this wasn't yeah. even a consideration for me. Um, so, yeah,
0: so there is a lot to like. Um, mm-hmm. he can really play downhill with some like shiftiness and, and quickness and get low. Uh, lots of craft at the rim. This is a guy who, if he is not getting a clean look, He's gonna make one. He's gonna contort and find a way to finish uh and, and get a good look inside. And he changes pace really well. Like the the slowdowns, the acceleration, it's all all very good, very pretty. Um, he gets to the line a lot. This guy has no problem saying, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get fouled on this one. He'll he he might, you know, not always get the best angle of the basket, but if he doesn't, he's still gonna play into the physicality the, the physicality end of the game instead of saying I'm going to kind of back away and float one up the way that like we complained about like an Ahmed Thompson doing that last year he's he's yep. willing to get to the line um and he's a phenomenal free throw shooter he's like over over 80% historically um yep. he sees the floor on the go and feels like any passes on the table at a given time like there's not oh he can't make this read like he can he can really sling the ball um i worry about the defense i think that his footwork is pretty bad guarding the ball i don't think he's very quick laterally i think he struggles with screen navigation and i'm leery of the pull up and just how good of a shooter he is in general and i know like free throw shooting good indicator i just talked about how good of a free uh of a, a free throw shooter he is this year so far and again this is like two games he's he's uh i think 3 for 10. Um last year he was around 37% but the volume was low. Year before that 33% on low volume. Year before that 15% on low volume. But then you're talking about like a 15-year-old kid. So like let's throw that to the side. um sure. but generally guys are on like 30% from 3 on lower volume. This year he's taking a lot of threes. Like mm-hmm. he's 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 putting them up there. Uh five a game so far through two games. Um I don't trust the pull-up. I feel like the pull-up gets left short time and time again, and he has this kind of streaky shooter background. So for me, this is a guy where I'm seeing, you know, this is a guy that, that took me by surprise. I think he's a very skilled passer. I think I, I love how tough he is going to the basket. I like some of the stuff that I'm seeing with the finishing. I like how he's getting the free throw line. It makes his free throws. I worry about how much value he's going to bring if he – is going to struggle on the defensive side of the floor. And he does generate a lot of steals. Like, he's generally done a pretty good job with that. Um, If he's going to struggle on the defensive side of the ball and he's not going to have a real pull-up shot, like, is he a guy that can work as a second-side guy? Or would I rather have a guy who's, like, second-side that maybe doesn't have all the craft that he has, but is just, like, a more reliable shooter and defender?
1: Yeah, so... First off, I see I see some of the comments in the chat and I'm hearing what you're saying, Maxwell. I have kind of been fighting, like wanting to like this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And the more I'm watching him produce. And here's the thing, like, dude just turned 18 years old. Like, mm-hmm. I know that there was even kind of a question, like, is he potentially even going to be a this year guy? Like, is yeah. he going to be a next year prospect? Which, you know, the fact that we're kind of he's falling under this, you know, you know, take a shot pre-draft. Uh, prospect category at first, and now he's going to be a this year guy. I think the age factor does give him a little bit of a, a a boost in a lot of people's eyes. Maxwell, the thing about him though is that at his age, the stuff that he is already seeing and doing on offense, man, it's it's insane. And he's not doing it for some rinky dink program in some rinky dink league. You know, he is he's playing with the big boys, and he is getting past his initial defender. Almost at will, and does it look funky? Yes. Does it? Does it look like uh, a lot of people in the NBA? Probably not, man. But the thing that we see, and, and please, please don't get me wrong. I don't think that he's going to be a star player right now. We'll see. Mm-hmm. The thing about star players in the NBA is that they look different. Like no two stars look the same. You know what I mean? And like everybody kind of has like their own unique vibe. So mm-hmm. I think work if if the biggest complaint is that he looks different from a lot of people, that's typically a good thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like typically players look different, right? Um, He's like you said, Maxwell, anywhere listed from six, five to six, seven. I'm more inclined to believe the, the six six uh, listings that I've been seeing in a lot of predominant places with that. He's kind of a jumbo creator, man, like super slippery uh, can get past the defenders at will and although his pull-up game is kind of not where it should be, I'll agree with you on that. His finishing package is pretty expansive in the paint, man. Like he can come up with some some pretty nifty finishes. Has some nice counters. A uh, big fan of the body shielding that he possesses. And I think that his you you spoke on the vision, man. Like he can hit some pretty crazy passing angles as well. So Maxwell, I, the player type suggests that he is the real deal along with the production and the league that he's playing in. I uh, and, and we're going to talk about some of these other guys. You know, I, I'll kind of spoil it. We're going to talk about A.J. Johnson
0: yep. uh, mm-hmm. here,
1: here later on in the show. And one thing that I've really liked about A.J. Johnson is that although the production isn't there, he's popped on film.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what
1: I mean? And if I'm liking that for a guy at his age who's a little bit older than Nikola Topic, And Topic is actually producing on the court at his age in the league that he is. I have to, like, I have to give him some credit. And he's also, like, super young, playing professional, like, high level professional basketball. Of course, the defense isn't going to be where it should be. I'm not expecting him to be an all world defender right now. I'm looking for Maxwell, one of the quotes that I think that you've made famous. On defense, I'm looking for the A to B. I'm not expecting Mm -hmm. it to be, you know, otherworldly right now. But if I can see marked improvement throughout the year, I'm not even expecting him to come to the NBA if I'm drafting him as a league average defender. But he's going to be one of these guys like a Bogdanovich, um, you know, someone along those lines who probably has to learn through several years of NBA coaching and experience and facilities and uh, film study things like that, to get to league average. I'm looking at how impactful is the offense and how, how productive and and efficient is he against this high level of competition. And right now in the early going, he's one of the best in international basketball doing what he's doing. And he's just earned 18 years old.
0: For sure. So I I would say the, I, I, and I think that's like a really phenomenal point. And I mean, we've just learned the lesson like too many times that guys who are really productive end up staying really productive. Like it's, yeah, I like I one thing, and again, like very different types of play, or whatever. But just like go back and read the concerns about Tyrese Halbert at the time. You know what I mean? Like so many people were like, "Not nah, looks yeah. weird, looks weird, can't do it, looks weird." So, um, I I think I think you're really onto something with that. I would say my concern would be from just like a pure team building perspective. I'm looking at this through an NBA lens. Is this somebody I want to spend a first round pick on and develop? if it's still like sort of an on ball guy that has the shooting concerns and the defense concerns, because like we've seen it get ugly for young guards yeah. the last couple of years. And like, do you think that the six, six thing negates enough of that? Or do you just buy the overall productivity to the point that like, I just think he's closer than a lot of those guys from a pure like production and basketball skill standpoint. Can I, can I pick from both of those boxes? Yeah. Man? Yeah. yeah I mean, that's more than not- fair. Yeah.
1: The high divide advantage, like how many times do we see that play play out in NBA prospects? You know, if yeah. you're going to have the ball, if you're going to have the ball, like Josh Giddy couldn't shoot. Defense was kind of suspect, you know, coming mm-hmm. into the NBA against the, the athleticism that he would face on a night in, nine out basis. Size really gave him a, a good advantage. Now, he's still taller than top taller, was coming into his, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. a little bit more athletic, a little bit more broad. But I think a lot of the same argument is still there. or even dare I say show Gilgis Alexander, who, you know, kind of closer, I would say, in terms of frame and size, definitely not athleticism. But mm-hmm. you know, that height of eye advantage, I think gives him a little bit. And again, we keep banging the table on the production aspect of it. Now, if I, I, I do think that there's a world that it doesn't work out as fully as, um, as I'm envisioning in my head right now. And is he closer to maybe say a, a Killian Hayes, but just the offensive version where mm-hmm. the, it's not, you know, Killian Hayes was such a, a
0: an incredible defense defender there in the office. Was it? Yeah. yeah the yeah.
1: offense was kind of in question is, is topic
0: potentially the inverse of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. He's going to be a really interesting. Like guy to watch throughout the year because he has been really pushed high up boards, but like every, every like in basketball, like quote unquote person I talked to is like kind of buying it. It feels like, and like, I feel nuts at this stage because I, I feel like I have the most pause of the, the people that I've spoken to so far. Like,
1: is he going to get worse than what he's doing now at his age or at his experience level? No, I don't think so. You I,
0: know? Yeah, I I think that's fair because it's like, yeah, if you're if you're doing this out of the gate and like at the lower levels, he's been really productive too. So it's not even like a, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just want to see the shot. I, I'm very leery of sort of, on ball guys with with shooting problems uh but let's go to uh bobby clintman uh who is playing in the nbl steven you have been uh kind of an early adapter on on bobby clintman um really nice start uh in in karen so far uh in the nbl for him so i'll I'll let you kind of take the lead on this one
1: yeah, and again, I want to give shout-outs to, to Evan and Corey who were in on the Bobby Clement camp before I was, so I don't want to make it seem like I was the uh, the lone the lone wolf in the Clement camp here at No Ceilings, but definitely as soon as I was alerted of uh, alerted of him, became a believer almost instantly. And Bobby was going to be one of these guys to where he, he had such a weird time at Wake, uh, even his journey, you know, going through the growth spurt that he went through, uh, going from playing in, in Sweden to you know prep basketball in Kansas to then college basketball in North Carolina, and then taking the draft board on by storm at the latter half of the season last year, and then probably would have been an early second-round pick um, if he would have stayed in. Mm. And I know that that's kind of up in the air, but a, a lot of the reports and a lot of things that I've heard, if he would have stayed – He probably would have been drafted, maybe, maybe mid-second at the absolute
0: latest. Yeah. So I to to just kind of butt in here. Sam Vecini said something similar, and I think like I think because things went like just a little unconventional with him going to the NBL, I feel like there was almost the sentiment of like, oh, he wasn't gonna get drafted from some people, and it's like I don't, no, I don't. That's it. Wasn't that? Mm -hmm. It wasn't that. And it's like someone like Sam Vecini is saying that. It wasn't that that I'm I'm pretty inclined to believe someone who is that experienced in the know and connected uh, on that on something like that. So continue because I yeah, I just wanted to clarify on that because I I do think there's like been a bit of a misconception about that.
1: For sure. And then there was a whole bunch of stuff about college and stuff that we don't really even need to get into. Yeah. But here's the thing, man, is like when he when he decided that he wanted to go to the NBA, I love that decision a lot um, because. Now you get to kind of test his toughness and his, uh, you know, his mental game as well. Right. And again, he's going to a completely different league, having to relearn an entirely different type of basketball at a position um, in his life that where he's already kind of been shuffled around the board a lot. So I was expecting the early going to be a bit of an adjustment period for him, but he's kind of like rapidly gained understanding of the NBL game every single game. His most recent outing, dude, he was a defensive stalwart, and that's the type of stuff that I wanted to see. Now it's crazy that he went from being listed at like 6'10 at Wake Forest to now he's listed at 6'8", which in my head almost kind of like changed the type of outlook that I had for him. Uh, I I think that he's looked stronger already. His off game is already pretty sound. I've been a big fan of the cutting and, and athletic finishes that he's been able to do. I'm still looking to see if he can do more with the ball in his hands, Uh, has a lot of work to do in that regard, has had some turnovers that I'm just like, you know, Bobby, what are you doing? What are you seeing? But there's a big part of, like, guys got to figure some stuff out, which I am excited to see him experimenting in that regard. Shot looks okay. It just hasn't really gone in for him right now um, on a consistent basis, which is probably the biggest concern for me. Um, He short arms a lot more than I would like to see him do. It's kind of like a a push shot, like a real quick push shot instead of like a steady follow through. I think though defensively, man, like he is defending a lot of bigs right now in the NBL and which he has had a tendency to get almost a little bit, but he's showing a really good propensity to switch a lot and recover a lot. And that's where I think is going to be his mill ticket in the NBL on the defensive side of the ball. Just want to see him continue to do what he did in Wake Forest here in the NBL. And I think time will reveal a much more polished, much more reversible offensive game for him as the season
0: progresses. For sure. So I, I'm going to kind of bounce back to the offensive side of the ball because you mentioned the shot. And like, I know it looks a little funky, but like he's always kind of shot that way. And he has generally shot really well. I kind of like that he had a slow start on the jump shot. Yeah. I know that might sound a little weird, but I think it showed off all of the other skills that he's bringing to the table, because even when the shot wasn't going in, he was still being a productive winning player for this team. Um, The cutting, like you said, is, is really popping. Like he's really finding those openings and hitting them. And obviously, playing alongside guards like Taron Armstrong. Like it, it, it shows up a little bit. (laughs) When you got somebody who's going (laughs) to reward you for it on a consistent basis. So um, yeah, he's good, good size, really fluid as a mover. Um, I think the other thing with him that's really stood out is just how tough He's played, especially when going going to the basket. This guy's getting to the line a ton. Uh, four and a half free throw attempts per game. Really, just kind of using his body a, a little bit more than we got to see at Wake Forest. And even like just the off ball movement wasn't something he did much at Wake Forest. And I think part of yeah. that might have been scheme and, and team concept. But agreed, we're showing that. I think the idea of him before was like, well, he can pass and he can shoot, and you know, he's he's big on, on the defensive side of the ball, and he's going to make some plays over there. I do think it, it. We're really starting to see that there's a little bit more to him than that. Um, with the playmaking side of it, the passing I've always bought. I thought like if you watch like the the U19s or U18s or whatever it was before this, like that's always been a part of his game. The mm-hmm. handle and ball control and traffic, he's got to get that a little bit more under control. Um, yep. Not always aware of where the help defenders are, where people are coming from. Gets a little too high with his dribble. Gets a little disconnected from it. That that's got to turn around uh, for him to kind of optimize what he can do. Um But I, I yeah, I, I think overall offensively he's he's in a good spot. Um, on defense, he's making a lot of plays. I think the biggest yep. thing that's popped up the last few games is it seems like he's really starting to trust himself more physically. Like he's mm-hmm. knowing like I, I think the speed of the game. His his caught up for him mentally he's knowing what plays he can make and can't make when it makes sense to gamble when it makes sense to jump and try to tip a pass uh that sort of stuff is is really starting to show up more consistently for him um my higher level concerns for him is that i think because he was a freshman last year people assume he might be a little bit younger than he is he is going to be 21 come draft time um oh, i'm sorry i know yeah archaic uh <laughs> but Uh, Yeah, I got to start doing his estate planning now. Uh, Yeah, so with with Bobby, (laughs) I think he's a good mover, and I think he's really fluid. I don't think he's super athletic, super bouncy, super twitchy. So I think there's a little bit of a ceiling on him from that standpoint. Um, But again, this is a guy that just looks like a really nice complimentary player at the next level with the shot and with the defensive playmaking. Um, But I think if you're talking like, well, why isn't this guy going to be an all-star? I think it's because the athleticism is is more more good than great um and I, his hands are kind of weird like he he had a couple lobs in one of those nbl games where he couldn't really maintain a good grip on it couldn't finish it um so i want to see that sort of circle back and, and hopefully he's finishing plays like that down the stretch but yeah i i like that in those early games the shot wasn't going and, and he was still still playing well looks like a first round guy to, to me at this stage and which is where i had him before the year but i think it's 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 being affirmed that he looks more like that than than where he probably would have gone if he'd stayed in last year so so i want
1: to ask you a question man Mm -hmm. Uh, and i touched on it just a second ago i want to get your thoughts on this in particular what do you think it says about a guy who is showing that he is has has been really really good in a lot of different like basketball formats again with the international style of play coming and learning like American AAU style prep academy based basketball, uh, you know, playing for Wake Forest and college basketball and now coming to the NBL, you're talking about a lot of different areas of emphasis, um, a lot of different positional asks, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, physicality, mental, you know, there's these different areas of focuses that a basketball player has. He's not really settled into one and has sampled from a lot. So, what do you think that kind of does for a basketball yeah, player?
0: Yeah, I, I think the mental side of it that you mentioned to me has got to be the biggest. Like, this is a guy that, uh, like, he's not really got like punched in the mouth at any point. Like, it's not like Bobby went here and he failed or whatever. But like, right, it, it hasn't been easy at any step of the way. Like at Wake Forest, mm-hmm. this isn't a guy who was handed a giant role in the NBL. Like, like we said, he was the shot wasn't falling those first few games. I think we've seen that he can respond to different environments. Um, He's had to completely change the culture that he lives in multiple times, living in several different countries now. Um, I I think it speaks a lot because the NBA is not going to be a consistent league where people are going to hold your hands. Like you can get traded, you can get bounced around, you can get cut. Like a lot of things can happen to you as a player. And I just think that, yeah, obviously, there's something to be said for the the skill and adaptability standpoint on the court. But to me, what really impresses me is to be able to handle all that stuff at, at 20 years old. So um, a lot of credit to him for being able to produce in those kind of environments with so many, you know, extracurricular circumstances going on.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, man. I just I think that that's like a real good test, like test of your metal as a mm-hmm. basketball player that you can hang in a completely different, you know, like such a vast array of basketball leagues. It, I don't think it's anything that's really ever discussed, you know. For sure. I mean? So I I just wanted to get your thoughts
0: on that. Yeah, I, I think it's almost I don't want to say like a failure, like that's too dramatic of a word. I think in the draft space, a lot of people shy away from a lot of off-the-court mental stuff because there's so much that we don't know, right? Like we sure. don't know these guys super personally. You know, there's you know, obviously players to be connect with and talk to and things like that, but the amount of like true honest to God intel that we have is, is low. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to to be judgmental or to say, oh, this guy's mentally weak or whatever. I, and I think that's fair. Like, I I don't think it's appropriate for us to be making those judgments. But I think at the same time, I think we can put it out there when we feel positively about a player, when we can say, hey, look, like, you know, me personally, when I was 21 or 20, I, w- I wouldn't be doing a very good job with a lot of this stuff. And I think it's, I think a lot of times because we want to shy away from the judgmental aspect of it. We don't shine a light and, and give credit to guys when they're, when they're doing stuff that's very impressive for for young men. So, yeah, I think that's more than fair. We're going to take a quick break here. On the other side, we've got another uh, kind of major disagreement. This is a guy where I'm high on him. I think Steven yeah. likes him, but isn't quite as, uh, as into him as I am. That's coming up on the other side of the break. So stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, let's talk about Melvin Ajinka who is playing in San Quentin in the uh French League over there, so the LNB B Pro League. Uh pr- played in their B League last year this year. He's, he's playing in the big one, the same one Victor was in last year, alongside Tiger Campbell too, who by the way is yes. like, one of those things where it's like, "Oh no, like that man is is going to he's going to be a problem in international basketball." Mm-hmm. And he has been. So really cool to see him out there. Um but Melvin DeChinka is six foot eight, and the skill is the jump shot. He is a yeah. wicked shooter. I think the first thing that stands out about him on film is that the way he gets his shots are the way that NBA special shooters get their shots. He's moving and he's screening constantly. That's yeah. how you have to play uh, if you're going to make your mint as a shooter at the next level. Um, there is zero dip on that bad boy. He catches that thing and does not bring it down an inch. It's just, I caught it where I caught it and it's going up. Uh, He gets it off fast. And I think with just his ability to move into the shot, the the quick pop time on the release, as Kirk Goldsberry called it in his book. There's a very clear path to an easy, low maintenance off ball roll for him. Um, And he's also just, he's going to make his man work. He's got the, the sidestep off the pump fake. He's got a step back. He is a shooter shooter. He's got loads of confidence and he knows what he's capable of. And when you kind of mesh that all together, that's what NBA special shooters look like. And at six foot eight, there's some real size there. There's some yeah. real solid athleticism. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I think this is where the evaluation gets a little bit more complicated. And the people that I spoke mm-hmm. to about a because I, I have a close to like the lottery on my board personally, which is much higher than, than other people that I've spoken with. I think that the defense right now is okay. It's not good. It is not atrocious either. I think that he's a guy who can, can slide with people. He's light on his feet. Uh, he gets back after offensive possessions, shows a high motor and transition he really doesn't make any plays. Like he's not a guy who's going to dart a passing lane. He is not blocked a shot through five games. Uh, historically, he is a very low block rate for a wing who's six foot eight. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really weird that I'm interested in kind of paying closer attention to him on the defensive side of the ball throughout this entire season, because if he was a shooting specialist at six foot eight, who could also really make an impact on the defensive side of the ball, like the lottery thing seems like a no brainer. Yeah. I it's think where it's tricky is like, okay, well he has the physical tools of a good defender. Why is he not doing more on that side of the ball? Um, the other thing with him, he is very perimeter oriented on offense. Mm-hmm. He does not go yeah. downhill very often. Um, so he's taking 7.6 uh, shots per game. 5.6 of those are three. So he's not bad when he goes downhill. He just doesn't do it. Like he he really would rather just kind of be running around rather than running toward the basket. Uh so it's very east-west, like I said too. Like after that pump fake, it's usually sidestep or step back rather than attack. Mm-hmm. Um the question about uh hyun Jung Lee a few years ago was just like, could you throw a smaller guy on him? And I think yeah. with, with the jink, it's kind of the same thing, right? Where it's like I'd rather have maybe the smaller guy who's going to be able to weave around these off-ball screens and, and chase him and stick with him that way, than worry about like, well, what's Zajac going to take him on the low block? Is he going to try to bully him? Probably not. Like maybe you just get away with sticking your point guard on him, and the fact that they've got this six-eight shooter out there doesn't really mean a whole lot or materially change the game, especially if he's not going to be an above-average defensive player. Um, I think he moves the ball pretty well, but he's not like anything special as a passer. I think the fear so I, I I'm mostly just excited about it because I see a guy who is 19 he's going to be going to be about 20 on draft night um six foot eight athletic traits aren't bad can really run and can really really shoot I know the, the numbers are, are a little lower it's like 36 percent on the year but was around 40 last season um I really like that is like a base framework considering it seems like there's not a severe field deficit. The concern is like, is he a bigger Anthony Morrow or is Mm. he a six foot eight Matt Thomas? Like, is he a guy where it's just like, this is what he does. And like, that's, that's what you're getting. Where, where are you at with the jink at this point?
1: So I like, Like, right. Like you say you love him and you, you're, you are higher than him on me yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, no no mincing that at all like you have him higher than me i still have him like my my early 20s though you mm-hmm. know like early to mid 20 range and i'm with you on the shooting right like uh the the size in the shooting uh left-handed shooter so a little bit more added fun a little bit more added dimension it feels like there's a lot more lefty shooters in this
0: class. There's, a lot. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of lefties in general. Like I feel like every guy I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, lefty. All right. And then like, yeah, even there's other guys too that like are also really ambidextrous too, where it's like yeah. a right-handed player, but he's using his left a lot. Like we're, we're getting both directions this year.
1: Yeah. And it's going to be fun to talk about with the freshman discussion uh in, in, in days to come here, but you know, you, you mentioned that he runs a ton without the ball. I don't think that you can guard him with a smaller defender, at least in the <laughs> league that he's playing right now. Um, there's been a few games where he's like actually punished them, and he's pretty violent as the ball handler to where like he is not afraid of contact with the ball in his hand. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's more straight line than it is east to west, and I'm glad you yeah, kind of yeah. talked about the ball handling stuff because if it's not a step back, jumper then i'm i don't want him to do really much of anything with the with the ball in his hand um the shooting touch around the basket isn't as consistent as i would like it to be especially considering how big he is but again that might just be the uh the number of shots that you touched on that he's not putting up around the baskets. Uh, Hunt Smith shots very well. He's a pretty good rebounder. So if you're looking for like maybe another thing that he could carry over into the NBA, usually rebounding is a pretty big uh, indicator of NBA potential. Like anybody who's played in the NBA has usually had good rebounding rates uh, more times than not. Definitely play finisher. I would like to see more connective skills because it's not uh, something that he's necessarily asked to do usually if he's catching the ball it's because the, the offense is wanting him to shoot and he does that pretty well the movement concerns that i have with him on the offensive end aren't as glaring as they are on the defensive end this is where i think that he has good kind of like like directly ahead of him athleticism but that lateral quickness and lateral mobility i i don't think is there and this is okay. where i kind of get concerned That's a um yeah yeah and, and I think that this is where it's really going to hamper him on the defensive end. I really don't like him switching on the small guys. I think that he's going to be kind of like James Harden-esque to where he's going to prefer switching on to maybe like a 4 trying to post him up and bully him. I think that's where he's going to be a little bit more confident. Mm-hmm. I don't like him switching on to ones, um, probably even a lot of twos in the NBA. Uh, I think on threes and threes and fours is where he's going to get his bread and butter on, on the defensive side of the ball because he is he plays a little bit stronger. But that that three point shot is his NBA ticket, man, and like if if your entry level skill set is being like a knockdown three point shooter at his size, you're gonna get the attention, right? So, I don't know if the ball handling is gonna be something that he's gonna make marked improvements on, but maybe just like subtle gradual improvements throughout the year, along with like the defensive stuff, maybe the angles that he's taking, he can get a little bit more uh, you know, decisive on, a little bit more precise. Uh, that's going to be the type of stuff that I think is going to round out his game. Um, I, I definitely could be wrong, but that's where I have him where I do in my, on my board where it's in like kind of like early to mid 20 range.
0: Mm-hmm. So this next player is like almost from from a similar ish cloth uh, to yeah. Jane Salon. Uh He is also playing in the Allenby league in France. Uh, he is on uh, Chile. He, his head sort of like the production looks weird. If like you just go on real GM and look at the productivity, but there's a lot to like. So he is six foot nine, uh, around 203 pounds. And another guy who for his size has a really nice shooting track record. Um, and the shot looks really good, which we'll we'll kind of get to in a second. Um, he had a really good stretch during the basketball champions league uh qualifiers. During that stretch, he was scoring 10 points per game on 47, 38, 85. Um, in the French league, his his defensive production has been good averaging two steals, almost a block through four games, but the shot just hasn't fallen five points on 18.9, uh, 5% from three and 60% from the free throw line. I, I think that's like outlierish. I think he's just having a slow start offensively in that league. Yeah, he's doing some interesting things on defense. So it's hard to be that
1: bad of a, of a shooter.
0: Yeah, I don't. When and you're I don't shooting think as is. much as he is, yeah. Yeah, and he's a guy who, like the year before this, was thirty six percent in a SPA. Uh, was thirty five percent in a SPA the year before that? So probably not a five percent three point shooter. Um, but he's big. Again, uh, another one of these guys who moves pretty well at that size the shot i I love i i there's no way i i don't think he ends up being an average jump shooter over his career at the very least uh very high release shoots it from the nba line uh another guy who's got like the fake sidestep just very very basic hey i i it's a little more than just a plain spot up with him um offensively uh outside of that i think he's he's pretty active he's not like a a movement guy at six foot nine but he looks for spots to fill on the perimeter and and will avoids to exploit if there's an opportunity to cut when his man is you know got his back turned whether it's a 45 or a baseline he'll take that and and get a nice off ball look at the rim his first step against a closeout is pretty solid um, yeah. and he's really aggressive getting to the rim the free throw numbers don't show it in terms of like attempts per game but this is a guy who who's going to attack with some real fervor and isn't going to kind of ah, i don't really want to go downhill or i'm going to shy away from stuff at the basket I, I think he's got a pretty good fabric as far as that goes on defense the team defense is really what stands out he knows how to defend within that construct um contest at the rim with verticality another one of these guys were like He's a bit stronger and tougher than you think at his yeah. age. If you put him on the block against a traditional big man, he's not going to wilt away or get shoved under the rim. Um, I worry about him on the ball as a defender. I think the Same. hips are bad. He is mm, not really him. got any fluidity. He's a guy who's going to have to turn and chase. Um, and I just worry about the speed of the NBA game with him on defense, like on offense, it doesn't look like it's going to be too big of a problem. Uh, but then on the defensive side, it's just like, Oh, I do not like how you move laterally and how he's able to contain people. So like, I don't think he's like a total saloon door, but it does feel like a guy that, it's going to get hunted and have some nice I see what you did there. Yeah. 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 So that was good. Uh, it was not intentional by the way. Uh, (laughs) I wish, I wish I was, I wish I was that smart. Um, uh, and then creation wise, like there's not much for others. Like this is a eater versus a chef kind of guy too. So six foot nine and can shoot. Um, love the shot. Uh, love, love how he knows how to play without the ball. Very, very worried about who and how he guards.
1: I am I'm like lockstep in agreement with you. I don't even need to like, you know, expound upon my my analysis much, much further than what you just laid out, man. Like I was talking with, you know, a guy that you you and I both talked to pretty frequently in the scouting world, and he hit me with, you know, he's like, talk to me about Tajane, What do you think about his game? It's like very interested, uh, has some pretty unique offensive skills. I don't know who he guards in the NBA. Yeah. And at yeah. his and at his position. Uh, that scares me, especially considering that if you look at his offensive skill set, it's not there's not going to be a lot of handles that come along with it, too. So it's going to be extremely complimentary on the offensive end and pretty hard to hide on the defensive end because he's going to be guarding a lot of some of the best – like at his position, if he gets drafted, if he is on an NBA court, he's going to be defending a lot of the premier players
0: in the NBA – and just that, like you just have to guard your guys me. If you're yeah, if you're that size, like you don't get easy matchups, like just look at the starting threes and fours in the league and just like, yeah, try to find one where it's like, oh yeah, that guy like, yeah. And you could throw anybody on him. There's just not a lot. Like the guys that excel at that position are really good.
1: Yeah. And do you want him to guard like sweet shooting twos? And like, then the, no then, way, then like dude, your no whole way. defensive, then your whole defensive scheme is just completely altered. So I, again, it's it's not that I don't like him. It's just that I think that his, a lot of guys, obviously, you know, disclaimer out there is going to be very fit dependent. I think is going to be one of these guys where, like, he goes to the right team. It can look really good. But I think Mm -hmm. that if you looked at the multiverse of places where he could be drafted, I think he could get scary in a lot of those multiverses.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm with you. Um, The next one is a guy who's had a lot of hype for a couple of years now. Um mm-hmm. Zachary Risaka. Uh he is 6'8. Um, just one of these guys that that moves around and you're like, Yeah, it's a basketball player. Uh <laughs> real nice kind of jab step and drive. He's had an interesting season and kind of an interesting year as a whole. He had all this buzz, plays in the U19s, and does like very little and really kind of scares a lot of people off the scent. This is a guy that a lot of people had top 10 at one point. Starts seeing much lower and further down boards. Um, the shot has been sort of inconsistent so far uh, through seven games. Another guy playing in this French Pro League. Love the consolidation yep. this year. Love that we've got some of you guys just France, Australia, uh, you know, a uh, bunch of you guys on International play, today. super deep, super yeah. deep. Uh, so 25% from three uh, so far this year, what did he shoot in FIBA? He was 44% FIBA, on yeah, per game. So the shot, like I, I, I'm a little bit more optimistic about it. He's confident. It looks good. He he's ready to go when he gets it, especially better of as corner. of late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, defensively, I really like how he plays with smaller players. The feet, the balance, the awareness, the length all there um he is skinny right now he does get pushed off the spots and pushed around a lot it's not like crazy concerning like i think he's a little bit weak positionally but i don't think it's a guy who's like gonna really get eaten up uh in terms of that i think my fear with him is just he can feed. and i i have not watched his latest good game because he had a really good game yeah. the other day but even in that game um, the one where he scored 13 was the game that I watched, but he put up, he put up 24 yesterday. Yeah. Um, have not watched that game. So full transparency on that. Um, he feels incredibly tertiary. Like he feels like the game is just sort of like happening and he is also on the court a lot of the time. And guys like that worry me just because it's like yeah. if you're not assertive at all, like I don't know. Like there's just not a lot of guys on an NBA court that are able to Play without any level of assertiveness, and I mean, if he scored twenty five points today, I, I, you know, I'm probably sounding pretty stupid to a lot of people right now that, that have watched that game. But um yeah, it just doesn't seem like he's very eager to assert himself at times.
1: Yeah, and I, again, it might be one of those
0: things where I don't know
1: if you, you know, if the listeners might remember, but when we were doing the G League um, discussion, we were talking about Boba Carsonay. Right, and we feel like the role that he's doing in the G League is going to be the best role for him in the NBA. And how does that translate? You know, we're looking for that a, a lot with Richard Shea right now, right? So, um, pretty good athlete. I think he moves well without the ball. Shows the ability to make solid cuts to the rim. Soft touch in the lane. Uh, has a couple of good counters that can kind of defenders. Uh, has a nice handle. I think positionally. Um, pretty active on the glass. Is a fun transition player. Uh, but similar to Saloon that we were just talking about for someone who's projected as a shooter, the shot hasn't been connecting, you know, it, overall, you know, hopefully this kind of like, this is like an upward trajectory of what we've seen the past few games from him. Right. I think he is a little bit better of a defender than a lot of people would assume. I, st- I still think that he has like room to grow on that side, but I think that he is a, uh, what I would refer to as like a fundamental defender, right? Like yep. if uh for people who seen the movie Batman Begins and watching Raja Gul train Batman right before you know Bruce discovers that he's like the, the leader of like this incredibly bad game that looks to end the world, you know he says that you didn't you didn't have me, you sacrificed you know sure footing for a killing blow, and then he sinks him in the ice. I don't think that people can do that with Risha Shea on the court, right? Like he is a very fundamentally based defender. Um, But like you said, man, like he ghosts a lot, you know, shout out to Rucker. He's a big fan of the ghost factor. Uh, He ghosts a lot in the game, but I think this is going to be a thing where it's like a big step up, you know, is it the expectations kind of getting to him a little bit? We've seen some players in recent draft history come in with a lot of expectations within the States. I'm sure it's not too dissimilar overseas and, you know, maybe sometimes the hype kind of precedes them a little bit. And uh, they got some catching up to do in that regard. But I think how early the season is, there's plenty of room for his game to kind of catch up to that. I just like to have questions. I I would be lying if I said that here recently, he didn't kind of take a couple, you know, couple spot drop on my big board with some of, with how some of the other guys are playing, you know, not out on him, so to speak, but maybe my, uh, you know, 16 range of him at the beginning of the season was a little too overzealous, but, Still plenty of time for him to get back there.
0: For sure. We're going to do one last break. And on the other side of this, we have two guys that we're going to go a little bit more in detail on and then kind of quick hit through some guys here as well. Because like we said, this is a super deep international class this year. A lot of guys that have a genuine argument to be drafted. So we're going to hit on two more of those and then kind of go through some of these guys. The first one after the break, though, is a player I'm very excited to talk about. So stick with us. We will be right back. All right, let's talk about A.J. Johnson. So yeah. A.J. Johnson uh, is on the Alawara Hawks. Uh, he is the guy that this, this is going to sound kind of odd, but bear with me because this is just where I'm at. Uh, it's it's a year of, of honesty and going with your gut in the draft space because yes. uh, there is no consensus. You got to lay it out there. So A.J. Johnson was a guy who I was a little bit scared of. Uh, before the start of the season so we didn't have a, a stellar shooting track record um one of those guys who's not quite a guard not quite a wing he's six foot five he's really skinny real at like 160 pounds goes to the nbl which is notoriously this very physical league has some issues with that but everything else looks kind of good outside of the physicality and I almost kind of am liking him more now after a really bad NBL start. I think it could take him a little bit of time, but th- sure. that's just kind of been my process with AJ Johnson. I think in in all honesty, he's going to be the toughest guy for me to evaluate throughout this year. If he's a guy that is like, I'm going in in 2024. Uh, but where are you at with, with AJ Johnson?
1: I mean, it sounds like he could be, this draft class version of like saying anthony simons where it's like okay there's a lot to kind of really like about you but physically you're you're a ways off and we need to kind of slowly bring you along so um, i love him as a shooter he's very confident although that the efficiency hasn't really been his best friend i like the shot i like the the mechanics of it um he's got the capability to lead and finish breaks all by himself he's a very nice ball handler Uh, can get into the lane despite not having, like, pro-level strength right now. Um, Hasn't made a lot of his threes, but the misses don't look bad. The groupings are actually pretty tight. Uh, Is very active away from the action, which is encouraging to see from a guy who is kind of projected to come in and be, like, a a scoring-type guard. He's not, like, uh, super demanding with the ball in his hand and has no problem kicking it all around the floor. Um, He's going to get bullied defensively, but he doesn't quit, and that's the thing about A.J. that I like, that – Although that the numbers aren't there, like there's just some little subtleties, these, uh you know, intangibles of his game that you can't really like put into words until you watch him on film just to see like, OK, there's still something pretty intriguing about this guy, even though he's not really connecting on his offense. And again, because of his size and strength, like there's not really a lot of like positive things to speak of him defensively, other than the fact that like he just doesn't give up on the play. Hmm
0: yeah so he i noticed he hasn't played in their last couple of games i don't know if he yeah. has an injury because like he barely played in that first game and i i didn't see that one um but through the nbl blitz this guy was 28.6 percent from the field 16.7 percent from three um really just like i said struggled against physicality but i think even in then even in that respect like there's been some really encouraging moments i thought that he isn't like finishing against contact, but he's not avoiding it at all. Like he's no. going right into guys and like playing mm-hmm. as if like he's playing the game no differently than he would be playing it if he was playing guys his own age. And I think that's he's like kind him. of all you can ask for. Um I, I think as a passer, he's had some really nice moments that make me a little mm-hmm. bit more optimistic about him being closer to being a combo guard, which was kind of my concern positionally. Like, is he you know good enough with his dribble, good enough with his passing to play that kind of role or is he a skinny undersized wing which is a dangerous player type uh to invest in um but yeah i I think he's really seeing stuff uh open up on the go as he drives north south um i i think defensively he's had some some rough spots he his footwork has been a little shaky uh I, i do think he's quick enough um that if the awareness catches up i don't think he could he would be horrible on that end again though a guy who's probably gonna have to like cover the other team's point guards so he's gonna be a little bit fit dependent kind of needs another big initiator alongside him in order to work so he's gonna be just a guy that i struggle with all year but i i, I am very encouraged by the mentality and the passing and the ball handling so far
1: yeah i'm i'm with you 100 percent, man like i said i there's not very many players that can leave a positive like, you know, uh, feeling within me as a scout that are producing at the level he is. Does that make sense? Right. Like, yeah, he, is, I, he isn't you. connecting on a lot of things. But like I watch him on film and I'm still very encouraged and have plenty of positives to take away from his game, despite um, him probably not meeting where I had him in like that early second round coming into
0: the season. Completely. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, next up Trent Flowers. this has been kind of an interesting case to follow. He was, uh, committed to Louisville, got to campus last second said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to the NBL in Australia. Um, the reason for going there was to play the point guard position, got some burn at the point guard spot during the, uh, preseason, the NBL blitz for the Adelaide 36ers. Struggled tremendously, uh, turned it over a lot, looked really lost in the defensive side of the ball. They moved him to more of a wing roll after kind of going over everything with him. And it, by all accounts, it was a mutual decision. It's looked a lot better since then. Uh, he yeah. is six foot eight. Um, there is some real length, fluidity, and size. And I think on defense, it seems like he's really starting to put in the work on that side of the ball in particular. Yeah. He was getting kind of eaten up, uh, especially off the ball that first first kind of game for a second game uh now it seems like the awareness is a little bit better but he's running he's getting back he's taking pride when he's guarding his man it seems like things are are starting to fall into place a little bit there on the glass he gets up well and he does kind of have that grab and go to his game where like Mm -hmm. you see that sort of transition playmaking pop up here and there where You know, maybe the point guard experiment didn't go great, but there are still those those flashes as a passer and and a selfless creator in transition. Um, As a cutter, I like how he moves. He moves hard and always is going up with intent. Hey, I'm making this move and it's to get open. I'm going to the basket and it is with intent to dunk. Um, Not really leaving effort things on the table, it feels like, which has been good. Um, I think my other concerns are that that like, when he does something, there's effort to it, but there's also times where he's kind of not doing anything. <laughs> there are times yeah. where he is just standing there on offense. Um the shot isn't great. It's all right. So he's at 38% yeah. for or 30.8% from three, 70% from the free throw line. I think he's a guy where the shot matters a lot. Um, because while he has this size and he's not like he's you know coordinated and whatever. He does also settle for some bad ones and he's not quick. Like it's kind of surprising at times where he'll have the driving lane and he doesn't quite get where you'd like him to go is as, as, as fast as you'd like him to uh, not wild about the first step. And I just think he's going to need the threat of that shot in order to get inside. And with this counter game and things like that, he's a little too content to settle for that mid-range turnaround or mid-post look. Yeah. Not always trying to get all the way to the rim when he has the ball. I think off the ball, his his instincts for that are a little bit better. But he's going to be another guy where it, it, it's tricky. Um, the defensive production playmaking has been really poor. He's been a little bit inefficient the point guard thing didn't work out, but I I think there's still things to like may take him a couple years. Where where are you at with Trenton flowers?
1: Yeah, man, I love the size, even though he's probably not going to be an on ball guy uh, moving forward for now. I like that. He's getting those reps, man. And like to a very much, you know, smaller level or degree, you know, Devin Booker for the Phoenix suns was like long criticized. Like, why is he playing point all these other things? And now that Phoenix is competitive, you kind of want to see him have the ball in his hands a little bit more because that actually helped round out his game, even though it was like a little bit to the detriment to the team, probably even like a, uh, a detriment to his reputation around the league. It actually helped him become a more well-rounded player. So I think kind of in a much more smaller capacity, like maybe the same thing could happen with a Trenton Flowers, right? Um, he can be a little too wild with the ball, um, turn the ball over a lot as a primary ball handler, right? So again, the – the outcome hasn't been there, but love the reps. Um, with that being said, I like that he's kind of omnidirectional with the basketball. He's like comfortable driving and attacking with either hand and either direction, which really stood out to me. You mentioned that the cutting is there. I like that he's not contact adverse. The shot, like you mentioned, looks okay. Um, for being an on-ball guy, though, I talked about the turnovers. I just don't think that the vision was there for him to be like a primary creator, but as like a secondary tertiary guy, I think that he'll be just fine. Uh, he's young, which means that the defense is going to need work. There were a couple times uh, watching his film where he like literally 360 away from the ball, like trying to keep track of the ball, trying to keep track of his cutting man, where he literally spun in a circle on defense. Right, so um, he's going to need to clean that up. One one note that I want to kind of put out here, Maxwell, is that for him and Johnson both being young, it is encouraging that Flowers is a little bit more obvious or apparent as a basketball player. On the floor, which, you know, and when we're comparing these guys within the same class, Johnson has like all these positive things. Just like clearly he needs time to develop, whereas Mm. for Flowers, like the production is also not really there, but he kind of looks more like he belongs on a on an NBL court right now. So I don't know how you feel about that, but it was just kind of like an interesting thought that I had whenever I was watching film.
0: Yeah, it's it's they're going to be two guys that are just kind of fascinating to track throughout this year. Yeah. Because, again, like we mentioned earlier, like point A to point B is going to tell a real story with these guys. And I'm glad that the NBA made the rule change that they did where these guys can take multiple years now, too, if they need to. So, yeah, um, somebody who is, I think, kind of weirdly like the the bizarro version of, of these two is yeah. uh, Lockie Ulbrich, who came out of nowhere it's like i i wrote my column which will be out by the time you're listening to this like i pride myself on being deep in the weeds on these low major college guys and he was the guy where like i watched him like once last year and i was like he's fine like i i didn't really see it he's a guy yeah he's a guy who like might be in the nba a year from now depending on how things shake out he is six foot ten uh listed around i believe like 235 now so he is he has gotten bigger. Um. A lot more just physically fit than I felt like he was in college. Like the movement looks a lot better to me. Big, long, moves real easy, big strides. Uh, the passing feel and ability to put it on the deck is what really stands out and separates him. Um, not just from his fears in a pro league, but like in general. There's not a lot of guys that can do that. Through five games, 2.4 assists to only one turnover. It's like a genuine guy who creates for others on the go. Um, I feel pretty good about him guarding wings, which I think was like when I saw like people first talking about him, I was like, I don't think he's going to be able to guard wings. You watch the film. I think he's going to be able to do it. A couple of guys tried to test him on an Island and pick and rolls. He's done well uh, on those possessions. Uh, Offensively, he's really efficient inside through the, the three preseason yep. games and two regular season games, 80% from the field, which is a, a good mark, a good place. It's a good lead. starting point. Um, yeah. He's only taken a handful of threes. I believe he's now taken three of them, and he's made two. So, like, you know, percent wise, great volume, super low, and historically, a guy who's been a really poor free throw shooter—forty-five percent this season was in the fifties last year when he was playing college ball at UC Riverside before coming to the NBL. He's a guy who is young. Uh, he's not twenty years old yet. He'll turn twenty in December. Six foot ten outstanding feel gonna be able to cover some guys on d i just don't know what you do with him offensively if he's not like a threat to shoot or a guy that takes shots so uh, another kind of guy that's more wait and see for me but where are you at with with locky at this stage
1: yeah i know that there are a lot of people now that have him like first round second ground conversations and stuff like that which to them uh i'm just not there yet and you know kind of being more transparent here with the audience uh i i want to watch college guys play before i like start Mm -hmm. getting too cute with my board i you know what i mean like i want guys to be able to prove my actual evaluation of them coming into the year correct before i start like drastically rising or you know rising guys up the boards. That being said, Lockheed has risen up my board, like astronomically to where he wasn't like <laughs> thought in my head to like top 100 guy like already. Mm-hmm. So that that's a pretty meteoric rise, I would say. So now that I have him kind of in that realm, I am going to kind of like see where other guys are at now, uh, but he plays with a crap ton of hustle, man. Like is hardly ever standing still polished around the cup, soft hands, makes timely cuts, no problem handling contact. Not a facilitator, but definitely shows some feel. Um, finding finding the open man, low turnover guy. Offensively, though, he's very under the basket. He's not going to be someone that is like a rim running, lob threat, anything like that. He's not big on the second bounce or anything like that. Um, I don't think he'll be able to switch at the next level. Like I know that he's showing signs now, but I think that there's been a little bit of like team like infrastructure around him to give him that. To where, like, on the NBA court with more spacing, um, more, more three-point shooting around him, uh, or that he'll have to defend. I think that that's going to give him a little bit of fits at the next level. Um, so I kind of worry about him defensively. Offensively, I don't know if he's going to do anything at a high enough clip to necessitate having him on the floor. But I do think that he's going to be a guy that NBA teams are going to be interested in, you know, probably at, like, their G League level, like, probably, like, at the tail end of a rotation, which is still an incredibly hard feat for any prospect to accomplish. I don't want to make it seem like I'm I'm cutting him short or anything like that. But again, from him not even being a thought in my head, but now like a guy that you, like, you have to consider him um, potentially being a draftable prospect, even if you don't have him in your top 60 now, a uh, heck of a start for him, man. And we've yeah. talked about this before where it's like, I think the NBL is doing it right by starting their season ahead of some of these college or ahead of the college season, because you have to start looking at these guys now.
0: Yep. Um, So we are now going to do kind of a speed round. So I'm going to let's, I'm going to give you the name. I would say just let me know if they're top 60 for you. And then just a quick, like, here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. So leading off the list, we've got Taron Armstrong.
1: I'm, just, think, I'm sorry i think i'm muted my up. mic yep. on you're that. you're good you're I don't good know how that happened uh Terran armstrong top 60 guy one of the best processors and passers in all of basketball let alone this draft class easily
0: top 60 just don't know how high i want to put him yet okay i don't quite have him top 60 uh so he's he's dealing with an injury right now but zero made threes in the first three games he's going to be 22 years old i know how smart he is i, I know that the defense looked a heck of a lot better than it had previously in those first couple nbl blitz games uh like you said the man is a straight up wizard like there are very few guys that can can read the floor and make passes like him and create like he does i i just don't know how scalable it is uh with like a complete lack of a jump shot um up next we've got ben henshaw who is also on Perth and has been just another one of these surprise guys. Where are you at with Henshaw?
1: I like Henshaw. I don't have him top 60. I think that he's going to struggle a lot defensively in the NBA, but his offensive bag is going to get him enough to probably get him summer league advice and things like that. So wouldn't be blown away if he makes an NBA team, but he's just not there for me right now
0: yeah i i like I, it's hard for me because like aesthetically i really like this type of player like this guy that can yeah. really shoot and like has wiggle and can get downhill and can find the open man i think he's on radars and i think he deserves to be on radars i think my fear with henshaw he's he's younger than uh than this guy was coming out Is henshaw reminds me a lot of tevin brown in terms okay. of just like 6'5", and now Tevin Brown is a much more involved defensive playmaker. He blocked a lot of shots, uh, which Ben Henshaw does not do. Uh, but it's like, oh, well, you know, he can really shoot, and he's quick so we can get inside or whatever. And then it's just like that physical gap of of being that height and being that thin makes it really hard. And Tevin Brown's a guy who didn't get drafted, is, is already kind of going overseas and getting his bag there. And like, good for him. I, I loved Tevin Brown coming out. Um, but when you look at like what Tevin brought defensively, that Henshaw doesn't and granted Henshaw is playing in a pro league, so Like I think the creation yeah. matters a little bit more. Um, it just gives me some pause about like investing in him. So he's, he's not top 60 for me either. Um, Alex Tui is the next guy up. I'm I'm actually kind of lower on Tui than some people are. I am, I'm pretty low on him too. Okay. Yeah, Tui's the guy that like, I, yeah, a lot of people are, are really starting to buy in on. Uh, he'll be 20 by by draft night. He is tall. He's six, eight can really stroke it like 67% from three through five games so far. I love the shot with Tui. Like, I, I think it's a gorgeous stroke. He can really move into it. I worry tremendously about the defense. He does not change direction. Well at all, like step backs, kill him. He's already getting hunted in isolations and pick and roll. Like teams are really going at him because they know they can win that way. Um, I, I just think he's a guy that I'd, I'd rather wait a few years and, like, see where that goes.
1: I will say that he has one of the prettiest jump shots that I've seen in the scouting process so far. Like, that shot is shot is wet, man. But it's just, like, does the NBA still want to draft, like, your your Matt Bonners or Jason Capono-type mm-hmm. type players anymore? You know what I mean? And look at Duncan Robinson. Like, he's a success story of that type of player type. Mm-hmm. Got his bag, and now you don't even want to, see him in a playoff game anymore so still an nba player probably value him as to some degree right P- potentially as an nba guy just not someone that i'm looking at investing a lot of draft stock in at this point
0: right now subject to change uh but Daddyette is a guy who i i would say actually might be top 60 for me he's oh exam-less. wow okay he is he is uh currently playing uh for ulm a team that has had a lot of like Real prospects on actually like him more than Juan Nunez, which is probably really controversial in a lot of circles, but I like a lot more than Juan Nunez. Too, yeah, okay, man. good, good, good. Yeah, we, we've, <laughs> we've, we're Juan the wet Nunez. blankets. We're like, yeah. yeah. So we're just like, if the shot, the shot in the defense with Juan Nunez. So before, if anyone wants to know why, it's, it's basically just that. Uh, but he's, he's very talented. He's very skilled. We're not denying that. Um, uh, with, and I, I know I'm, I'm, just butchering this name, but uh with the uh Deddy Dedier, Deddy At. Um I believe it's gotta be Deddy Daddy because it's it's French. Um he so is so six, they foot, call him six foot eight. Yeah, he can really move. Uh getting a lot off of like cuts and transitions and yeah. rim runs. Really nice touch and finesse for mm-hmm. a guy who looks like he's such an above-the-rim athlete. So I think there's more to him than. You might expect just based on like how he runs the floor, you're probably like, oh, that guy looks like a violent finisher. It's like he can't be, but he's he's got some touch too. Um, Very high work rate all over the place. Defensively, good feet, balanced, good closeouts, good recovery when people try to drive at him, If even if he is off balance a little bit. I think he sees the floor pretty well. He's pretty comfortable putting it on the deck. Um, Hasn't taken a lot of threes so far this year, but... He's always yeah. been kind of a lower volume guy from three. I think the three is going to be what determines it. Like he was 48 or 44% from three last year on 3.2 game, but there were some injuries. There were some other stuff he played in nine games. So it's like, you yeah. can't really use that sample too much. Uh, he's only taken about two games. He's 57% this year, but it's like, man, they're good. They've gone in the last two years in this really yeah. small sample, but he's the guy I'm willing to buy into. Cause I think the value could be really high. If you get a guy like that the second, he pans out. But what are what are your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I don't have um, many more of these guys like in my top 60, save yeah, yeah, one, yeah. which we're going to get to in a minute. But I'm definitely interested in Picome. I think that the athleticism is there. I think that he uh, – and, and I think athleticism is kind of like an undersold component of what it takes to make it in, in the NBA today. Mm-hmm. And Pacome has that, right? And he's got yep. like crazy finishing stuff, the, the the flashes of touch. He and this next guy, Ruben Bray, um, both are kind of like in striking distance and becoming draftable. Um, so you already spoke on Pacome. I'll dive yeah, into. Yeah, you Ruben. take the lead
0: on Ruben Prey. Yep.
1: Yeah, I love the size first off. You know, the athleticism and size is there. A good touch around the basket. A good connective tissue piece as well. Good rebounding. I think the defensive versatility is there for for him as well. Uh, I just I haven't. I don't believe that he's played a game yet so far. I think they uh,
0: just played. I, okay. I so if actually, they did, I'm like, um, just had the first game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if they did just have their first game, I'm definitely going to go back and watch that because Ruben just like jumps off the film to me. I think that um, he plays a lot of like four and five for his team, where I think that he probably could stand to be a little bit more perimeter oriented in the NBA, um, which I think the jumper uh, and the defensive versatility is going to help him out a lot in that regard. So kind of like how I felt with uh, Vince Williams Jr. out of VCU a couple years ago. Right where he was, uh, playing out of position a little bit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think Ruben was too. So I'm interested to see how he looks this year. What do you think about Ruben?
0: I was, yeah. So he was the guy that you threw at me, where I was like, I've not done like anything on this guy. Like when we put this list together, I think he's interesting. I he's not like a guy that I have super high right now. I'm I'm more wait and see with him. He's super sure. a guy who's six foot ten. He's really comfortable dribbling and putting it on the floor. Like he'll grab yep. and go. Um really fluid like sticks to smaller players really well defensively gets an obscene amount of steals for somebody his Mm -hmm. size like very good at just like i'm using my length i'm getting in this passing lane i'm getting into your handle like can really like get low in his stance and poke the ball loose in a way you don't normally see guys his size do um i am a little more held back by the offensive stuff i don't think he handles a lot of on-ball pressure very well and like he doesn't really look to pass I I just don't love his instincts with the ball in his hands and he's not super strong yet which I I think he can pan out but to me it just feels like guys like him where they have sort of that that mobile skill set I want to feel like I can either really trust him to just be a high level finisher and I'm not sure he's that or feel like there's a little bit more offensive skill to him um So I'm just kind of waiting to see like what type of player he is offensively this year. Um, Because I think like the handle and that kind of stuff is there, but without the ability to pass or like without the threat to shoot, I'm just not quite sure what, what he is. Um, Michael Casado is a guy that I've really been into like the last year or so. Uh, He's still 20 years old Uh, was a guy who was on Barcelona and then loaned out to Granada last season. And then Mm -hmm. when he was there, he was, he was actually quite good. Um, really quick uh, defensively, like gets beat at the point of attack a lot, but it feels like that yeah. shouldn't happen. Like, I think there's just some effort in like basic coaching stuff that can, can remediate that though. Uh, but he is a really athletic kid Like, can really finish above the rim, uh, whether it's a transition off a lob and a nice jump shot was like 36.6% from three last season at six foot six. I think there's a path for like three and D in here. I think it needs to be actualized and, Coach out of him and he was clearly low priority in Barcelona. And then we actually got the reps at Granada. He looked good. I think in the right context, it's the guy that you could maybe take like late, late second that pans out.
1: I like his title a lot. He's kind of felling down from where I had him last draft class to this one, mainly because I want to kind of see some other guys. And I feel like I got a good beat on him right now. Definitely could come up. Uh, I, I like the positional handle too. Uh, he seems offensively versatile to where, you can kind of play a, a bunch of different types of guys around him, and I think that he showed that at Grenada as well. So I'm interested to see what season looks like. I just don't have him like kind of in that same striking distance as, like, say, a Pacome. Although that I think that the feel is a little bit better with with for Michael sure. than it is for Pacome.
0: Yep, uh, Nikola Duricic, who's the guy mm. that like everyone was all over last year. I had him like top twenty going to the year last year, and then I was just so out on him. Yeah. because the shot was disastrous in terms of his output. This year, through two games, he is four for ten from three. I uh, everything else is still there. He's still, you know, attacking the basket really hard. Still a good, good passer for somebody who is uh, six foot eight. Um, I think I'm if he keeps this up, like he's he's probably going to be top sixty for me. Like it's hard to keep a guy out of your top sixty if 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 he's shooting and creating like this at six eight.
1: Yeah. So I kind of I don't know if this is like a fallacy on my part, but a guy who that I thought was going to be top 60 last year uh, in his second year comes back automatically, like kind of program number brain, like he's got to get better, right? Like with more reps, more practice, more familiarity with the system. Uh, I think that he's kind of standing to benefit playing alongside Nikola Topic. And I think that that might be like another feather in the cap for his draft status that Dursic looks a heck of a lot better now that Topic is there. Um, But Dursic on his own is a very good player, right? Like the, the three point shooting is there. Love the passing and playmaking. Uh, kind of like I was just saying with Casado, like offensively versatile where he can play like a number of different types of guys around him and he's going to make them look good. Defensively, still have a little bit more concern, but I think that he's probably going to be like a one or two def- uh, position defender in the NBA, kind of like that tweener 3-4 range. But I don't know, man. Like he's top 45 for me right now, specifically okay. for the offense right now. And that's that was my expectation coming into the year and he's kind of already meeting that which is good to see. I thought it was going to take a little bit of time for him to rise up, but early outings are looking good. Uh Ariel
0: Huckporty, a guy who is welcome back, Ariel. Yeah, yeah, for real. Like uh <laughs> out, out of Germany, um playing in the NBL, uh had like a, a decent year there 2 years ago and then barely played last year cuz of injury and it was like, "Oh yeah, he's he's back." And I think I'm just like, "Oh yeah, you know." all right, uh, Corey, uh, here we go again. And like really great start to the season. Like he's blocking a ton of shots, rebounding, uh, finishing pretty, pretty efficiently. Um, I I can't quite get to draftable with him just yet. Like there's still the turnover issues. The face-up game is bad. Uh, Well, settle, can't really put it on the deck at all, even in that context. But I, I think like you could do worse in terms of like, break glass case emergency big um because he's gonna rebound he's gonna block shots i think his instincts have come along and it's important to remember like he's looking like this after basically missing a full year so maybe as he gets his legs under him he he could do a little bit more but uh still not quite there with him as like a top 60 guy
1: yeah i mean 10-10-5 game in the early gone of his season Mm -hmm. or early going of the season right now uh if you're able to kind of like show the perseverance that Ariel is, has already shown so far in his like young, uh, I would say, pre-NBA career. like That's that's a feather in his cap, in his draft stock cap. I still want to see a little bit more for him. I think that he shows kind of defensively that he's got some things to be enticed by, offensively kind of one-dimensional. But we've seen guys with similar skill sets, similar athleticism, like make NBA rosters as like two-way contracts, third row third big in a rotation so wouldn't be surprised to see him on an NBA team you know if if all things stay the same to where they are right now but maxwell we bring up a great point like could just be getting better as the season goes on too so definitely mm-hmm. glad to see him back in draft conversation and interested to see what a season looks like
0: yeah last guy we're gonna hit uh under another guy who was also on mega uh yeah he is six foot ten um I, I'm like very just like I, I I don't quite totally see it with him. And also yeah. like wait and see. It's like not somebody super high priority for me, but a guy I'm going to end up watching a bunch of just because the team that he's on uh, moves really well. Got a bit of a bag, got a bit of a nice like midi stroke. Good shooter for somebody that's 6'10". He's going to get pushed around a lot early, but he does work hard on the glass. I'm just not sure that like the athleticism rim protection like – wait I don't like him at the four like I just kind of one of those guys for me
1: yeah he's definitely um, someone that is on my big board I will put mm-hmm. that out there and again I, th- I think that we can be kind of like tongue-in-cheeky with these comments but he is he's like a very real prospect you know yeah. someone that we have to pay attention to um, I just I have a lot of reservations with him defensively and offensively. I think that there's some interesting tools. He might be one of these guys that, where we legit think that he might take a couple seasons before he uh, makes his journey over to you know the NBA draft. Things like that wouldn't be against him like coming in and getting feedback from NBA teams and then going back and improving his game. I'm very much in a wait and see mode with him. Uh, the even for like his shooting, like it kind of goes in at a decent enough clip. Mm -hmm. The the mechanics look weird. Like the, like the angle of his body on, on these shots are kind of awkward sometimes, Uh, but has really good moments where he looks like he is a very real prospect. So uh, definitely could be one of these A to B prospects
0: that we love so much Maxwell. For sure. For sure. Well, that does it. This has been a bit of a marathon here, but yeah, Stephen, real quick let let the people know where they can find you and what else you've got going on
1: yeah and just real quick you know this is probably the, the longest prospect you segments that we have just because international basketball is so good and so deep so um that's why we spend a little bit longer time talking about these international guys but for myself you can follow me on twitter at Stephen g hoops uh maxwell and i we just did a really awesome interview with uh Liam Santa Maria, who I do believe I saw in a draft digest column get referenced. Uh, So it's cool to see that his name is uh, kind of spreading among the the draft culture here in the States. But uh, also on NoSealingsNBA.com, we are officially launched. So please be sure to look out for my article. It's looking for what works with prospects in the 2023-2024 draft class, where I'm going over five major player types that are heavily desired. And succeed pretty decently in the NBA, giving you references of some of who some of those players in the NBA are, and who some of those players could be in this year's draft class. So that's what I got, Maxwell. How
0: about you? Yeah. So by the time uh, you're listening to this, my uh, column with featuring an interview with Mark Mitchell will be live from Duke. Uh, so did a full full column on that. Excerpts from that interview are in there, and then uh, yeah, I'll I'll keep uh, what I got. Uh, for next week uh, until next week's episode. Well, actually, you know what? It'll okay. be out because that'll be out on Monday. Anyway, I, let's let's let the people know. I, I did an interview with Milo Suzan. So next week mm-hmm. we'll have a full scouting report on Milo Suzan, video interview, podcast interview. That'll all be here for you next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. But yeah, we're back, folks. So subscribe, NoSoundsNBA.com. Yeah. Subscribe on your podcast feed. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We've got a ton of effort going into the YouTube channel this year. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at bound boards uh follow us at no ceilings nba and uh thank you guys so much for joining us and sticking this out we'll see you guys next week
1: much love y'all